Welcome to refreshing, energizing business talk. This is Think Tank, conversations in a digital world, presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Get ready to hear from industry executives and thought leaders on the best strategies and technologies to drive your business forward in times of uncertainty and accelerate success. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Think Tank, conversations in the digital world with new perspectives from SAP strategic partners on business, IT, and innovation. I have a great buzz quote today I found on a website called thefutureofcommerce.com. Listen up. This person is Ron Thomas, strategy-focused group, and he said this, I've always been surprised by CEOs who don't take the results of employee engagement scores seriously. Companies need to accept that employee engagement scores are paramount in a post-COVID world. Either companies improve or people will leave. Let me just let that sink in. So let me tell you a little more about our topic today. It's, it's a very interesting topic for all of you, whether you're a boss, a leader, a thought leader, whether you own a business, an entrepreneur, whether you're an employee at any level, a gig employee, a regular employee, I don't know who's regular employee anymore. This affects you. So more than business tools and technologies, your employees' talent and drive, keep your company moving forward. And in what we're hoping now is a almost post-COVID era, employees still want to give their best performance, whether they're working from home or whether they're essential, got to show up on site to work. So today, managing the employee experience requires things that you might not have paid that much attention to in the past, like continuous listening to their feedback, quick and effective and appropriate responses and support, including things like new ways of learning. You got to do better mentoring, better engagement, stronger focus on health and well-being. Yes, a little zen in there might not hurt. And a recommitment to the benefits of diversity and inclusion. There's something emerging called a holistic HXM, that's human experience management. It's an approach that has emerged to address these challenges. Think about this, new school HR, versus traditional HR. We're going to tell you about that. The organization's needs versus the employee's needs. Who thought about that? And a focus on the future of the employee experience. Today, I'm privileged to be speaking with Penny Stoker and Maya Smallwood at EY and Emily Wilson at SAP. We're going to ask them for their take on boosting employee engagement, HXM human experience management. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, happy to be here, and a shout out to Brad Borkin and Susan Walker at SAP for sponsoring this series. And now let's get started with my panelists, Penny Stoker. I haven't spoken to you in years. I'm so happy to see you. We're on Zoom recording here, so I get to see you talk, Penny. Penny, would you do me the honor, please, of introducing yourself to our listeners, maybe our viewers, if we post a video and tell them a little bit about what you do at EY. And Penny, what's your passion for this topic? Welcome, Penny Stoker. Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. And it is great to see you. Usually we're doing this on radio, right? <laughs> yes. It's good to see the picture. Thank you. <laughs> um, as you mentioned, I work at EY. I uh, basically take care of all of the operational side of HR for EY. So the technology that our people touch, how we recruit our people, et cetera, into the organization. So, um, you know, kind of sounds rather boring, but it does touch all of our employees, which leads me to my passion um, and why this topic is so very critical. So long for so long as organizations, we've focused on what do our customers think, right? We we focus so much on what do our customers want, what do they need, all those types of things, and we've never really turned that inside, um, and thought about if we did the same focus on our employees, 
how could that drive a better customer experience? So um, do I have the kinds of tools? Do I have the kinds of personalization? Do I have the things that I need as an employee to be ex- exceptional at what I do? And um, so very, very excited, very passionate about this and really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you very much, Penny. Quick question. Do you think that this importance on HXM has emerged because of the shift in where people are working and how we're working since COVID gripped the world just about a year ago, actually? Do you think this is, or has it been cooking and bubbling under the surface for a long time, Penny? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's a good question, Bonnie. I actually think it's been cooking for a while. I think it went on steroids with COVID and because all of a sudden, everybody is working in a different place and it's a great equalizer, right? And I think that's what's really put it out there. Thank you very much. And now let's meet Emily Wilson. Emily, so happy to have you here today with us. And why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners as well and share your passion, please. Go ahead, Emily. Thank you so much for having me, Bonnie. Uh, My name is Emily Wilson. I am a cross-portfolio solution lead at SAP Success Factors. And I'm really focused on sort of day-to-day helping organizations measure and optimize their employee experiences so that they can see gains from that, like maybe lower attrition, um, you know, maybe increased employee engagement. Part of the reason that I'm passionate about this is because I'm an employee too. I can remember (laughs) times in my career where I have been under a crazy amount of stress, but, you know, feel very engaged, very supported and led in a positive direction. And other times where I've had not so optimal employee experiences. Um, one word I learned last year, which I absolutely loved, and it really resonated, is this word of presenteeism. So you have absenteeism, where people just don't show up, but you also, you know, work with people who are struggling with or suffering from presenteeism. So you're at work, but you're not really accomplishing things. You're not really helping your team. You're not really driving business results. And so what's important to me is trying to work with organizations to figure out how can we avoid having employees with presenteeism. Of course, we don't want them to quit, but what if they stay and they're just not really doing their best work? If your differentiator is your employees, that's a big problem. Emily, thank you for that perspective. You brought back a flood of memories of horrible employee experiences. I had a boss back in the, I think it was the 80s, I'm dating myself, 80s, 90s. And she told me the first week I I joined the company was a correspondent bank, no longer in business, no names will be dropped, thank you. She told me that if I didn't accept a 1.5 increase in salary for the next three years in advance, that she would never give me a raise or any promotions in my entire tenure at the company. And that was the way she ran the company. Her, her thrill was embarrassing people, putting people down, screaming at people, visiting your office and marking up your work. And she was the senior VP. And that's the way she ran. She eventually ran it into the ground. But I anyway, say, I, the, the, the important thing here is that it's no longer in business, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. But I, I have horror stories. Emily, Emily you've, you've very successfully yeah. brought them out. But it's, I wish this was something, as Penny said, this has been bubbling. I wish it had bubbled up decades ago. Mm-hmm. I wish they had cared about us. And on that note, thank you, Emily. Maya Smallwood, we're so happy to have you here. You're also at EY. I see from your note, you're in Florida. I hope you're experiencing much better weather than we are here on the upper, mid to upper East Coast today. It's uh, February 1st is when we're recording this show. So Maya, please do me the honor of introducing yourself and we'd love to hear your passion for the topic as well. Welcome, Maya. 
Thank you, Bonnie. And it's always great to be here with my dear friends, Emily and Penny. And Penny, just a shout out from one of us, 300,000 out here in virtual <laughs> land. Just thank you for all you're doing for us. Uh, and Bonnie, I will say the weather is a bit better in Florida, but as a former Northeast resident, I, I do commiserate. I feel your pain, my friend. <laughs> Snowboarding is an option. Um, but in all seriousness, this is a topic as uh, our leader of employee experience solutions for our clients and organizations who are really looking to make a shift from perhaps accidentally improving engagement and impacting productivity and driving top and bottom line results. Um, as we've said, we focus on customers. That is something that we all know to do in the business world. But now we're starting to understand that employees are a value center, that the workforce is a value center. And for those of us across our people advisory services practice who help clients to really drive a people-focused agenda and to achieve the business results with people, I spent 20 years doing it, couldn't be more passionate about it because um, until the robots come for us all, we are the people who are getting these, these things done for our economy, for our working world. And I think that means that what we're going through matters. And I'm sure that everyone agrees. Penny, uh, Penny had a great intro. Emily did. And Maya, you brought up the robots. I'm doing another show this week where we're talking about people trying to keep their jobs away from the robots, the future of work, another, another similar topic. Maya, very, very interesting. You said people are a value center. Can you just expand on that a little bit? I've never heard that quite that term that way. And I think our listeners would really like to know a little more. Why don't you tell us a little? Absolutely. So EY and, and other leading organizations are really trying to look at how we operate in the business world with a bit more, dare I say, humanity. And old notions of stakeholder capitalism, you know, your old boss, Bonnie, you know, that old paradigm of squeezing efficiency out of resources and considering people to be just human resources uh, is really a paradigm that we want to shift away from. And there is more to value creation than financial value. There's more to financial or there's more to value creation than consumer value. And so what we do is add societal value and human value as the two other components of value creation that a leading organization making a positive impact in the world should really be concerned with. And um, it was meant to be a kind of a joke, but it really is true that we are driving the value creation as people who are leading and working in organizations. And it's really as simple as that, Bonnie. Thank you very much, Maya. I appreciate that. Great intro, all three. I feel like we've already dived into uh, d dive. I'm not sure what the, the past tense of that is. We have all already dived into our roundtable conversation. And that's why I like to ask my guests right up front, what's your passion for the topic? That's where we get to hear you speak really from your heart. So thank you, ladies. Now, speaking of from the heart, now is where I've asked my panelists in advance to send me a quote from a movie or a song, something they know well, or they read about or heard about or saw or something that has absolutely nothing on its literal surface to do with our topic. And by the way, our topic today, again, if you're just tuning in, is boosting employee engagement. 
human experience management. And if you don't know those three letters, it's H-X-M. Get used to it. You're going to be hearing a lot about it. Penny Stoker at EY has sent me a quote from oh, a classic, The Wizard of Oz, way back in the day, 1939 musical fantasy film starring Judy Garland as Dorothy Gale. It is seen as one of the greatest films of all time, and it's an adaptation of L. Frank Baum's 1900 children's fantasy novel, which was called The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And here we go. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Penny, that's probably one of the most iconic movie phrases ever in the history of movies. So Penny, enlighten us, please. What in the world does this have to do with our topic today? Penny Stoker. Absolutely. So take yourself into that movie and the look on her face, Dorothy's face, when she looked to Toto, looked around her with the colors and the things that she saw and went, we aren't in Kansas anymore, right? We aren't in Kansas anymore. Things have changed so dramatically. Bonnie, you mentioned it with COVID. And we've seen it with the ways that we have to now work remotely, globally, different things. We aren't in Kansas anymore. And we need a different way to think about how our employees experience our organizations. Um, And how we measure that experience, as Maya said, to really drive value uh, through the tools Emily, that you mentioned. Um, and that, that's my that's why I think that quote really resonates with me. Um, now, I will say, I think we all need our pair of red uh, ruby slippers because every time, <laughs> every once in a while, you do want to go back home a little bit, right? Back into your comfort zone. Um, but that comfort zone is changing day by day and minute by minute. And I think that quote really um, em- is emblematic of where we are right now. Very well put, Penny. Thank you so much. Good memories there. Let's move to Emily Wilson. Emily sent us a quote from a song by Drake on his album, Thank Me Later, when the song is Show Me a Good Time. Anybody doesn't know who he is, his name is Aubrey Drake Graham. Last name, same as mine, no relation. Born in 1986, Canadian rapper, singer, songwriter, actor, entrepreneur. They do so many things these days, Emily. Credited for popularizing the Toronto sound. And Thank Me Later was his debut studio album in 2010. It opened and closes with a squeaky yelling sound as he addresses hip-hop listeners who find him inauthentic. How dare they? Okay, so here is the line Emily has selected from Show Me a Good Time. I live for the nights that I can't remember with the people that I won't forget. That's so beautiful, Emily. Please relate it to our topic. I, I, li- I don't know the song, but I like the lyric. Go ahead. Well, I, I think we can all probably relate, right? So I do actually, as, a, as an off-the-chart extrovert, like my Myers-Briggs type indicator is like <laughs> 30 over on the E side. Um, you know, I think it's been it's been difficult for, for extroverts and for many people to be, I mean, we say socially distanced, but really we're physically distanced. Um, and so for me, you know, I feel very, very fortunate that I'm employed. I feel fortunate to be healthy, but I also feel like my days are cooking, helping with school, working, cooking, helping with school, cooking, cooking, you know, and I'm just missing those experiences of being able to um, just go out and be with people, whether it's being with my colleagues at an event or a conference or whether it's friends or even family. Um, I just think that um, technology has made this all a lot more bearable because we are all connected somehow um, through technology. I know I've rekindled friendships with, you know, some college friends and people I haven't talked to in a while. Um, I'm having Zoom calls pretty much constantly with, you know, my friends and colleagues at work. Um, But yeah, I truly cannot wait for just one of those nights out with, you know, your friends or family where you just have such a good time. 
We hope, we hope, we hope. Thank you very much, Emily. Great quote. And I'm sure Drake, if he knew, would be honored that you're quoting him on a business show called Think Tank Radio. I, we, we should do that. On, you tell him on social. You tell him you were, you were mentioned and, and, uh, and yes. appreciate it. Yeah, you're your, your we're friend. Like this. <laughs> Thank you. Maya Smallwood has sent us another movie quote from another very iconic movie. Meryl Streep played Miranda Priestly in The Devil Wears Prada, 2006 American comedy drama. It was a film adaptation about Miranda Priestly, a very, very powerful and very nasty fashion magazine editor. And Anne Hathaway played Andrea Andy Sachs, a college grad who goes to New York and lands a job. Oh, uh, like a coveted job until then as Priestley's co-assistant. Here's an interesting sidebar I'm just going to read to you. I think you'll appreciate this, Maya, if you don't know it. Although the film is set in the fashion world and mentions real-world references to well-known establishments, fashion houses, and people, most designers and other fashion notables avoided appearing as themselves in the movie. Do you know why? Yes. They didn't want to tick off Vogue editor Anna Wintour, who was widely believed to be the inspiration for Priestley. But they let their accessories and their clothes be used in the movie. Winter later came out and said she liked the film and she thought Meryl Streep did a good job as her. So here is the line. By all means, move at a glacial pace. You know how that thrills me. I have no idea how she said it. Maya, rescue me, please. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're doing great. And, uh, you know, it's it's a very droll line. And it's one that uh, many of our millennial colleagues in the office, just like some of us quote Office Space or Jaws or Ferris Bueller, you know, uh, this is a movie and, and a sentiment and a set of quotes that is very well known throughout the workforce now. Um, the reason why I chose this quote in the context of employee and experience management is because Amanda Priestley is arguably one of the most effective leaders in terms of results, in terms of brand, in terms of impact. Uh, and even in terms of career development, because Andy went on uh, to become uh, a journalist at, a, at an amazing organization with her endorsement. But her team behaviors and leadership behaviors are absolutely terrible. <laughs> and this is a quote that uh, essentially just embodies what it is like to work on uh, Miranda's team. It's not fun. It's not great. It's full of pressure. And, but even within that pressure, you can find those moments of, of humor and, and shared experience. What if Miranda as a leader had better insight into how her behaviors might have been impacting her top and bottom line? There was a lot of pressure on her at work. And we know things weren't going well. Uh, we've seen the movie uh, in her home life. Um, you know, multiple marriages and, and very interesting children with interesting behaviors. Um, what if she had some support uh, around that? And, and the company really knew how it was impacting her. So even though uh, this is a movie and a character and a circumstance that we can all laugh at and cringe at because we've been in those experiences and had those bosses, um, she's a person too, and, and she's done good things. What if she had a little bit more help? What if everybody had a little bit more help in, the, in that uh, situation? That's really why the quote connects to this topic for me. Maya, you are kind and you are generous. <laughs> She's not, I'm not working for her. So, you know, I can, I can do that. Right. I, I think I did. I think the boss I told you about, I, I think I did actually, she ended up marrying the president by the way. Yeah. Yeah. He, she, she did everything, scheduled his haircuts, his, his checkups for his Miata, where he went to lunch and everything. And years later she married him. 
it was just an interesting story. Yes. In the past, in the, in the rear view mirror, here we go. Ladies, thank you so much for your quotes. I really appreciate the work you did to bring us something really interesting. And I know that that will grab the attention of our listeners around the world. Now we're going to really dig in and get serious about our topic. If you're just tuning in, by the way, this is Think Tank Radio sponsored by SAP, Microsoft, and Intel. And our topic today is very important for all of you out there, whether you're a employee, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a manager, whether you're a company owner, I don't care where you are on that work spectrum, or you know somebody who is in one of those categories, boosting employee engagement. Hey, what's a business without engaged employees? Let's be honest. That is your bottom line. That makes your bottom line. Human Experience Management, HXM. Learn those initials. They are important. Penny Stoker at EY is going to kick off our roundtable, the formal part of the show. And Penny sent me the following statement. I'm going to read it because it's one sentence, but it's packed, and I'm going to ask Penny to unpack for about two and a half, three minutes, and then we will ask Emily Wilson at SAP to agree or disagree. You're allowed to disagree, Emily. I know you're an extrovert. You're allowed to, Penny will still like you. And Maya, I'm going to give you the option to agree or disagree with either or both of them. You've got a lot of work there. So here's what Penny told me. She said, a great place to work is one that focuses on how employees experience their work environment as well as their engagement. This is a loaded statement, Penny. I'm putting you on speaker view. Go for it. Okay, thanks, Bonnie. And I think it's a good follow on from what Maya was just talking about, right? Um, as organizations, what we've done is we've, at least for as long as I've been in HR, done the annual, let us see how everybody feels, right? How their engagement scores are, we'll do it at a specific time every year, we'll put action plans together, we'll do all this wonderful stuff, and nothing really changes. Um, because it is just a point in time. For me, HXM is all about how do you drive that experience throughout an employee's life cycle from the moment they join the organization to the moment they decide to leave? Um, you know, the boss that you had, um, how, to Maya's point, she probably didn't know how she was impacting or didn't care, one of the two, right? Didn't care. Um, <laughs> she may not have cared, um, but hopefully she did, but she didn't have the data that she needed or the support that she needed or the information that she needed. That for me is what HXM is all about. Um, where we are today, our employees, this generation, millennials and younger, frankly, are going to go to social media and tell us if we don't ask. Mm. And, and we're going to find out things on Glassdoor or Fishbowl or, you know, Facebook, name the social media platform about how our organization is doing. And that is going to create a disadvantage for us in the employee marketplace if that is bad reviews. And so we need to pay attention to it internally. Now, it's challenged a bit in a COVID world, right? Because our work environment now is also all mixed up with our home environment. You know, can I run out and grab uh, a bite to eat at lunch while I'm in between meetings? How do we manage that as an organization? How do we set those expectations differently? And then how do we measure that experience so that we're helping our employees uh, make this work for them from an experience perspective? So we have to ask we have to listen, we have to do it more often than once a year, and we have to care enough to do something about it to really drive, as Maya said, that human value. Thank you very much. Good opening topic, Penny Stoker. Emily Wilson, you're up next. I give you the pleasure and privilege of agreeing or disagreeing and add your thought leadership. Go ahead, Emily. Yeah, Penny, I could not agree more. And I think what's really important, what you touched on, is that you have to listen kind of continuously, listen more often, and then make data-based decisions. And I think really what's key is that you take action on it. 
right? Because no one wants to be asked on a weekly or a quarterly or a daily basis about the experience and then nothing changes. And we've seen that, that some organizations, you know, the, um, you know, the IO psychologists I work with say, don't ask anything that you're not willing to take action on. If you ask people, are you happy with your pay? And every single person says no, and you don't plan on <laughs> doing any sort of like performance-based adjustment or any, you know, then people are just going to feel frustrated and not contribute. So Penny, I completely agree. Thank you very much. Maya, you're up. So not going to disagree with anything that <clears throat> Emily Penny has said. It's, it's spot on and it's what we hear from organizations and leaders and, and employees around the globe. Uh, closing the say-do gap is what it's all about. I think in addition to examining the sentiment and Penny is spot on, you know, those uh, external and internal social media platforms are a source of um, engaging conversation on how folks are feeling. Um, it's also about seeing how our operational processes really connect to that sentiment. So we may be going about our daily lives um, doing increasingly virtual meetings and things like that. Um, and it may not be something that is dramatic, but what if our processes worked better and that helped us feel better? And how do we connect that to getting the job done quicker so that we can go walk our dogs and spend time with our families or read a book? Um, what about the longer term career journeys that keep people in an organization longer because they feel like the organization is responding to some of those life changes? I think that um, sentiment is a great place to start, but it's really in digging into those norms and behaviors and how they connect to real life that'll help us move that needle on, X, on HXM. Thank you very much. Penny, anything you'd like to say back to your colleagues on the panel about their comments? Uh, you know, I just agree 10,000%. Uh, I think really Is that listening. All? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't agree enough. How's that? Um, oh, like that? You know, it, it's just so important. Thank you very much. Interesting, the juxtaposition of work and real life. Somebody mentioned real life. Work is our real life. Our real life is our work. Those boundaries, those, well, we used to talk about work-life balance. And some a couple of years ago, somebody introduced me to the concept of work-life integration. You're never going to balance it if you're working hard and passionate about your job, right? But the integration of how do I fit this in? And now it's being fit into the same space. Interesting. Who who would have thought this? Some of the uh, people like me who've been working from home, I've been a broadcaster for years. I have a home studio. I have a room for it. It's okay. I get to go in the other part of the house and leave work briefly. I come back anytime I want. But for people who are used to going somewhere, bye, kids. I'm going to the office. I'll be there in 20 minutes. Oh, the bus was stopped on 34th Street. I, I'm sorry I'm late. And now it's, oh, my connection wasn't good. I'm sorry I couldn't get Zoom to, oh, I'm working on my virtual background. Oh, the kids are in the, oh, I hear a vacuum cleaner. The Everything has changed. On that note, I'm going to go to Emily Wilson. Emily has sent me a very much meat on the bone statement here for your statement number one in the roundtable. Emily, I'm just going to read a little bit, I think the first long sentence, and then ask you to unpack it a lot here. Emily says, in the HR space, those of you who don't remember this, human resources, as we used to be called, in the HR space, many people talk about moments that matter pertaining to things like, oh, don't we love them? Performance reviews, development plans, training, obviously important, but we also need to consider what else impacts your employee's journey. I'm going to stop there. Emily, take over, please. 
Yeah, hundred percent. It's interesting because I have over the last, I don't know, decade or so, you know, we do hear people talking about moments that matter and they're typically thought of as like um, someone went through training or someone did their performance review, as you mentioned. But if you think about the moments that really matter to you as an employee, what was super memorable about my last company I worked for wasn't maybe the onboarding experience, but it was when I was passed over for a promotion or when I was managing an underperformer, right? These are things that greatly impact your um, daily life and they're not isolated. So it's important, I think, that instead of thinking about the HR process, think about, you know, employees' concerns. Um, I work with an IO psychologist who kind of, we, we've been talking back and forth about the psychology behind employee experience, because there are really actually three types of employee experience in, in terms of, you know, what emotions they create, right? And they're each based on different core psychological needs that really drive people to be motivated or drive their well-being. So the first one is the task experience. That's just simply like, is it easy to get things done? Employees need to have tools and resources to be able to accomplish their work, right? And bad task experiences, which um, you know, can happen on a daily basis are, they create real frustration among employees. And then they get the feeling that their employer doesn't appreciate their value or their time or their skills. The second one after task experience would be social experience. So this is really, do I like the people I work with? Do we work well together? Do we have a good team dynamic? Um, do we have sort of shared norms? Are we all going towards the same business result? And I think that good social um, experiences, speaking from my own personal experience, can really make employees feel, you know, um, effective and feel supported, feel a part of a team. Like we spoke about earlier in the intro, you know, um, just feeling like you belong and you're included. And then the third one is about fulfillment, right? So this is the issue of like, does my job provide the things I want from work? And everybody has a different sense of fulfillment. Some people might work because it allows them to do things outside of work um, with their families. Others, um, get, you know, fortunately get to do work that they truly enjoy that helps them feel fulfilled. And I think the bottom line is that employees don't need an HR event to be impacted, right? The experiences that we have are very dynamic. They're not isolated. And frankly, they can change day to day. They can even change hour to hour. Who hasn't started their day like, okay, today I'm going to be super productive. I've got 10 things on my list of things to do. And then suddenly, you know, the train derails at 9am in a meeting. And so I think, you know, it's just important for all of us, whether in HR or not, to think about creating work experiences for employees that bring together what employees want brings together what employees need and their expectations um, and then align them to the company goals. And if you're not listening to your employees, then you don't understand their needs and their expectations. So how could you possibly create a positive experience for them? It sounds like a, a very interesting puzzle to fit all the pieces together, Emily. What do they want? What do they need? Who are they? At what speed do they learn? How fast do they work? What do they need to be productive? But the bottom line is we're a company. We have to make money or we have to do something that is our value, our value center, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a for-profit. How do we fit it all together so that the employees get their fair share of experience, the good stuff, and the company can still be in business? That That's... It it sounds very demanding on what are we still calling them HR people? I don't know HR the the HM, HM, HXM people. Is there a new name for HR that we're supposed to talk about? It used to be human capital management. After a while, Emily, just briefly, what do we call those people today? Those people. 
Um, you know, it's interesting you say that. We, there are still, of course, there's always going to be a chief human resources officer, although I am now seeing there are starting to be job titles like chief experience officer. Um, Penny, maybe you can speak to it. EY, like what, what are you guys doing with titles and areas? Because I know you are so focused on the employee experience. Yeah, it's actually part of our conversation right now. What do you, you know, do you have a chief experience officer that's actually watches across all of these various um, things that happen to us in the workplace, exactly as you mentioned? And Bonnie, I think you're spot on. This It's a lot. And I find the big thing is be transparent with employees. How how mm-hmm. often have we been transparent about what's going on? Sometimes you do need to make business decisions. That's okay. Explain that that's what's going on. That's what people want to hear. Interesting. It used to just be, what is a person going to be reviewed? How do you onboard them, right? Did they show up for work? Are they punching in? We used to have punch clocks. I <laughs> think I had a punch clock on one of my jobs. Uh, did their paycheck come out on time? Did we take out the right amount for their deductibles, right? Do, do, mm-hmm. Are we providing insurance? Are they full-time? Anyway, it used to be. Life was so much simpler then. I can't remember what song that is, but yes. Maya, I have interrupted the flow here. I'm so sorry, Maya. But Maya, please respond to what Emily said about experiences that matter. Maya Smallwood, you're up. Go ahead. Yeah, and and no worries, Bonnie. This is how this great conversation is unfolding. What I would say to agree but partially disagree is that it's important to have a frame for holistic experience management. And frames are, can be different, but I think what we try to coalesce around is uh, what we all have in common at work, no matter what we do or where we're working. We all want to matter in the context of work. We all want our voices to be heard in the context of work. And we all want some degree to shape our work experience. We, we, we want some ownership and, and a little bit of involvement or control in that. And if work and the work experience is framed in a way that individuals matter and are uh, understood, that relationships and the relational experience matters. So this is teams, this is customers, this is, this is bosses and, and, and team members, um, this is leaders, uh, it's the relationship that matters. And then it's the environment that matters, whether that's technology, whether it's the, the community, whether it's physical or, or uh, more intangible from a cultural standpoint, that's the playing field. But if, uh, to Penny's point as well, if it's connecting into that value creation when times are tough and we need to lean in on financial results, is, is that clearly communicated? And is there not a trade-off with how people are feeling and enabled to sort of get the job done? That's really what those moments that matter can amount to outside of the province of HR and all due respect to our HR leaders who do so much, they can't do it alone. Um, We were just having this conversation this morning with a group of thought leaders and concluded if it's just HR leading and it's not people that are working 40, 50, 60 hours a week with their people and, and ask team members, then we won't ever really um, close that say do gap. It'll just continue to sort of, we'll show up, in a way that I don't think we want to as leaders. Thank you very much. Very interesting. This is obviously so timely because you're talking about conversations happening just today, Maya. This is on people's plates. It's on their minds. It's on their agendas. It's on their outlook calendars. Got to do this right now. Penny Stoker, you're third on this round. We'd love to get your additional thoughts on what Emily shared, which you've already commented on briefly and what Maya said. Go ahead, Penny. 
Yeah, I think that um, I will agree with both Emily and Maya. I think the the real challenge here is how do you involve employees, right? Because the moment that matters is the moment that matters to that employee. And, and it could be a very different moment for Maya than it is for me, than it is for Emily. And so for me, what this is really about is how do you give a voice, right? A more ongoing, regular voice into how things are, what's happening, how it's happening, and how it impacts that individual. They then have the information to make some choices, right? How often have we worked in an organization, we've given some examples already this morning, right? Where you didn't feel like you had the choice. I have to do what somebody tells me to do when I don't believe it may be the right thing mm-hmm. at the moment because uh, I didn't have a voice. And for me, experience management truly is about that voice and a chance to say uh, what's happening for me at the moment. Thank you very much, Emily. Good conversation started there. Emily, anything you want to say back to the other panelists? I just, no, just one super quick thing. Penny's so right, giving them a voice. And I think, um, you know, 10 years ago, we were seeing all these organizations have a VOC program, voice of the customer. Like Mm -hmm. that was like so important. We need the voice of the customer. And I love that I'm now seeing organizations wanting to know the voice of the employee. I absolutely Mm -hmm. love it. As someone who's an employee myself, I mean, it really resonates. I remember customer report cards when I worked for Chase Bank, when it was called Chase Manhattan Bank. And we actually published the, how do we do with our survey of certain customers? I was in marketing and global cash management. And it was interesting. Nobody really asked us how we liked working there or what was or wasn't working. Uh, And I have a question I'm going to ask all of you after, but let's move on. Maya, I have picked statement number four from your list you sent me. I think this is interesting. You say the future of employee experience in enterprise experience management. Some say the next ERP-like capability, having ongoing top-to-bottom, end-to-end perspective on what is happening across the organization and how it's happening for people. So let's move this to the future. Maya, you're up. Talk to me. Great. I mean, and that's where you'll probably start to see those of us working in this space get really excited um, for a couple of reasons. Um, And we've all touched upon them, which is, We've been talking about this, and and some of us have seen its importance and acted on its importance, but that HXM level capability is really similar to the things that we have done as complex, sometimes global businesses or businesses that just have to get a lot done, how we've invested in our operational insights. So we can look at our supply chains, we can look at our financial uh, impact, we can look at all sorts of things, our customer experience. Um, what this statement is really about is having a similar level of technology and analytics and data and connectivity across what our experiences are like. And as we've already mentioned as a panel, customer experience, wonderful, great, need to have it. But not only does there need to be the same level of investment and insight and connection to the employee experience, I would also say that because of the future of work and workforce challenges and changes, we are going to have a digital workforce. We are going to have and continue to have contingent um, colleagues and the gig economy is going to continue to diversify. So we're not all going to be employees either. So how do you start to make sense of that and really move out of the HR operational process view to the experience view? The only way to do that is by investing in capabilities that really allow us to do what we've done in the ERP space, in the experience space. 
Thank you very much. Um, let's go around the table. Penny Stoker, you are sitting virtually next to Maya, whether you know it or not. So Penny, we'd love to get your thoughts on what Maya shared. Go ahead, Penny. Sure. I think Maya's spot on. And I would add to it. I think the the challenge with it is probably similar to what the challenge was ages ago when we started talking about customer value, right? Is how do you get your leadership and all of your people in the organization bought in, if you will, that this is important? And um, because it's really easy to talk about it and you know get the data and all of that. But if you're not going to truly live it to understand the impact of that human value on your organization in the same way that your financial value and your customer value is, then it's not going to go anywhere. And I think that's the the key thing for all of us to drive in the roles that we are in and our colleagues across large organizations. How do you rally the troops, if you will, uh, to say, this matters. This has to be uh, mentioned and it has to be driven because if it's not, we're not going to stay competitively um, advantaged in the labor market. People will go elsewhere because they can. They have a choice. They will. And that was my one of my quotes of my opening statement. Emily, mm-hmm. I want to get you in here. Thoughts on what Maya shared and or what Penny added? Go ahead, Emily. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think experience management is really mission critical. Um, I, it's also extremely difficult for a lot of organizations. Um, so for example, like I've worked with organizations that have been like, we've had a voice of the customer program going for five years, but all it really did was sort of successfully measure our decline, right? Because if you're not mm-hmm. taking action on what you're hearing. Um, and I think the reasons that it's difficult, you know, um, In a lot of organizations, the experience management data or the X data, as we call it, is um, not centralized. So the data is not secure. Someone could feasibly be developing and collecting data on their own personal account. And when they leave the company, it goes with them, which is pretty absurd if you think about it. Um, It's not connected. So if you've got like the marketing team is never getting insight into the X data and the, the research happening on the customer side or on the product side, you know, um, that's a a real miss. Um, I think a lot of times it's not personalized. And so by that, I mean, if you don't know, you know, what's happening at the call center, what's happening when you check out, um, what's happening on the website, um, it's really pretty impossible to create a personalized experience. And then again, always coming back to, it has to be actionable. If you're not going to take action, if everyone just has a, someone has a database over here, someone has a, some PowerPoint slides here, someone has their, you know, experience management dashboard here, but it's not all together and take, you can't take action on it. Then the companies that are, you know, building these databases to collect that sentiment and insight data, they're not actually improving if there's no way to, you know, make it actionable. Thank you very much. Maya, good topic. Anything you want to say back to your co-panelists? Just that, uh, you know, there's a lot of agreement and there will continue to be, you know, we're all similarly passionate and and inclined. Uh, Just to emphasize um, as well that the investment in not only looking, but also standardizing and, and connecting is, is how you get to an end-to-end capability that doesn't continually, you don't just watch your customer impact a road, uh, Emily, to your point, you, you watch it grow. Um, it's not just the measurement and, and the tech, it's also the behavior, the intention, and, and the insights that you act on. I, I'm really excited about where we're going with this topic. Thank you very much, ladies. Before we get to our predictions part of the show, we call it the crystal ball. I have a question for all of you. We talk about the employee experience, moments that matter, 
talking about what the bottom line of the company is, how do you keep the employees engaged, active, caring, sharing, doing their best and meeting the company's goals. We didn't touch it. It's probably a whole other topic, a whole other show. But the question is, what if it comes to an impasse and you find out that you cannot provide those experiences to that employee, that their goals, their style after they've been there a while or the company has shifted in some way, the company's goals, the company's ways of working, the management has changed and there is an impasse. How do you hold that conversation that says, we'll help you find another job, but this really is not a fit for you. We know you can't be engaged because it either doesn't meet your your style or you no longer want to be engaged. And we want an amicable separation and to send you back into the work world where you can find an employee experience that makes you feel happy, productive, engaged. I think that's a whole other topic. So we're up to the point where we're going to do the crystal ball prediction. But if any of you wanted to touch on that briefly, on those when the door needs to close, but close politely and pleasantly with transparent. Somebody mentioned that wonderful world, transparent communication, that word. By the way, I think Penny just said something. My my um, opening statement, the quote from Ron Thomas at Strategy Focus Group was, companies need to accept that employee engagement scores are paramount in a post-COVID world, either in com- companies improve or people will leave. That was what I was referencing. So I'm going to go around the table. I'm going to give you each 60 seconds. We have to keep it really tight and then we'll close. So Penny Stoker, you're up first. Penny, predictions on some part of what we talked about, which is a really a very important, but very it's a vast topic. Penny, I'll leave you to it. 60 seconds, all yours. Go. Okay, I think we're going to see a future in the not too distant future uh, where your measure of success is at least in part determined by the human value you've created. And so as you progress in an organization, not just the financial value you've driven, but what human value have you driven? Who have you developed? Who have you, what have you created? Uh, what value are you bringing to the organization? And likewise for organizations, you know, we've tracked financial statements in the stock market for a very, very long time. I think it's time for us to track human value. Thank you. That was profound, Penny. I like that. Emily Wilson, you're up next. Go ahead. Predictions, please. Love that. Who wants to go after that? I know. <laughs> um, I, I actually think that's phenomenal. Um, and, and my prediction is that we are going to see more and more sort of EX centers of excellence within organizations. We're starting to see this where, you know, rather than just have like one like disparate person in HR who's like responsible for employee experience or measuring employee experience or focusing on that, you're going to see groups, this is what we're seeing, where they, you know, bring people from across the business together. They, you know, create some guiding principles that really align to what the organization values and what the organization is trying to accomplish. Um, you know, empower people from different areas to, you know, it, create effective listening programs and then really get people to, to participate cross-functionally. Um, it's interesting because one, one co- company that I worked with was saying that um, when they first went out with their, you know, annual engagement study, it was right before COVID and the leadership was like, no, don't do that. We might, you know, it was like right as things were kind of hitting the fan 11 months ago. And the, 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 you know, president was like, no, let's not like get the input now, but they decided to go ahead with it. And they just got such strong and actionable and insightful data that all of a sudden now, you know, my contact's telling me like all of the, 
VPs are knocking on his door like, we need this, we need that, we need to understand this about, you know, this manufacturing facility, we need, you know, and he's like, now I'm so in demand. But if it was just done cross-functionally and with everyone from the beginning, you wouldn't have people being scared of the data or after the fact wanting to get in on the data. I think it's important to work, you know, kind of across all the silos that our companies tend to have. Thank you, Emily. Maya Smallwood, you're up. Predictions, please. 60 seconds. What you got? HXM or enterprise experience management is going to become a core capability of organizations, but it's not clear that HR is going to lead that function and and those set of capabilities. People analytics belong to all functions. We all do things. We're all people, at least now most of us are. And uh, it will be up to HR to determine whether they want to make the changes to op model ways of working technology that are going to continue to drive that leadership position or whether our um, customer functions, our supply chain functions um, who do a lot of people engagement and people management are going to take those reins. I think HR is a wonderful opportunity, but it's not clear. Uh, what the verdict on leadership and ownership are going to be in the, in the organization. Interesting, provocative. Brad Borkin, you've got, got little sparks of brand new topics coming out of this conversation. Ladies, I can't thank you enough. This has been a wonderful conversation. I don't do webinars. I do conversations. Love to get smart people like the three of you together to talk about topics near and dear to you, where you share your expertise and the listeners know how engaged you all are and learn something from you and be inspired by you. Shout out again to Brad Borkin and Susan Walker for sponsoring this series. And Rui Joshi at EY, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Rui, was part of the support in getting this together. She was with me on my prep call with Penny Stoker a couple of days ago. Thank you, Rui. We have a lot of people who also helped in the background. I'm going to say thank you formally to Penny Stoker at EY, to Emily Wilson at SAP, to Maya Smallwood at EY, and a shout out also to Matt Widener, our engineer at Voice America Business for doing this show with us and helping with the production. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I hope you will join us next time for another episode of Think Tank, Conversations in a Digital World. Everybody be safe. Be smart, be happy, be healthy, and wear your darn mask. Wave goodbye. (laughs) Thanks again for tuning into Think Tank, Conversations in a Digital World, presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Keep the conversation going by tweeting your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRadio. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel next time.